What's up, everybody? It's Coulter Nuanez from your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now, which airs live each weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and worldwide on the ESPN MT app. And of course, as you're listening right now, you can always find Nuanas Now archived as well on the Nuanas Now podcast. If you haven't checked out the M Store in downtown Missoula, you need to. At the M Store, they're all Grizz all the time. They have some of the best, but more importantly, most unique selection of Grizz gear you're going to find anywhere. They got stuff that nobody else in town, nobody else in the state of Montana has available. And right now, the M Store has a whole bunch of great deals going on. April specials include huge percentage discounts on all headwear, sweatshirts, and jackets. They also are now an authorized Apple service provider. They offer computer repair. They got MacBooks, iPads, and a whole bunch of great Apple products in store there as well. Go check out the M Store, located at the corner of Higgins and Broadway in downtown Missoula, Montana. It's a great new location, a ton of merchandise, all April long at the M Store. Polos, headwear, sweatshirts, jackets. Go check out all their maroon and silver. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Did you know that Jackie Wilson was Michael Jackson's idol? That's right. He saw Michael Jackson saw Jackie Wilson at the Apollo. He became inspired. Jackie Wilson, another one that just doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's just so sweet and maybe just a little bit ahead of his time. I wonder, do they still do the talent night at the Apollo? Do we know? They used to have the great talent nights at the Apollo, and that was like the big draw. And then they started showing it on TV, and it was like this variety show. I'm not sure. There's a great HBO doc about, about the, Apollo the Apollo Theater. It, yeah, for sure. I mean, if that was on TV, I would absolutely watch that if it was still on TV. Let me know if you have watched anything from the Apollo, or if uh, you know if the Apollo still has talent shows, text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Welcome back. Nuana's now, hour number two coming at you. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? You can always find it on the Nuana's Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore, your best place to get blue and gold on game day or any other day. Check them out on the Montana State campus. We talked all things MSU coaching hire because... Matt Logie, named the head coach of Montana State men's basketball earlier today. Logie has spent the last four seasons as the head coach at Point Loma Nazarene, which is a Division II school in San Diego. Before that, he was a uh, he was the head coach at Whitworth for eight seasons. So we broke it all down in the Montana basketball hour and uh, what it means for MSU. Some of the other transfer portal movement, including as of today, great Osabar and Robert Ford III, both leading Montana State into the portal as well. Nigel Burris, the Big Sky Freshman of the Year last year at Idaho, he is transferring to Utah State. So tons of news. You can find it all on the Nuanas Now podcast, uh, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the Montana State Bookstore. Now, uh, I, I, I thought Jim Hayford was a very impressive coach during his time at Eastern Washington. And uh, Hayford... Built a very entertaining team in a somewhat unorthodox fashion. Uh, or opened an Australian pipeline 
to to Cheney, Washington, which in itself is uh, unlikely and impressive. Uh, those Eastern teams were sort of in the battle for league supremacy with Montana for a handful of years. That Tyler Harvey, Vanky, Joyce team that beat Montana in Missoula the last time that the Big Sky had a hosted conference tournament. Uh, that, that's one of the more memorable teams in Big Sky history because Joyce and Felix Von Off were, were such classic characters. Harvey was such a prolific three-point shooter. Uh, Hayward, Hayford then uh, left Eastern Washington to go become the head coach at Seattle U. He's since fallen on controversial times and was fired there last November. We won't go into the, get into the weeds of all that. You can Google it if you want to know what he got fired for. It's, it's controversy to be sure. But I find it interesting that the coaching trees that dominated the Big Sky Conference for so long were the Judd Heathcote and Mike Montgomery coaching tree at Montana and all the branches that split off of that. You could also count Randy Ray at Weber State as a part of that coaching tree because Randy Ray worked for Stu Morrill at Colorado State and Utah State. Of course, Stu Morrill was at Montana before Colorado State and Utah State. So that tree had branches that then reached other Big Sky Conference programs. But now you could say that the most prominent coaching tree in the Big Sky is that of Jim Hayford. Who would have thought that? Hayford leaves for Seattle U, and Shante Leggins, who'd been an assistant for Hayford, takes over at Eastern Washington. Then Leggins leaves for the University of Portland, and David Riley takes over. He was also on Hayford's staff. So now you got three guys there. Hayford, Leggins, and Riley that are all Eastern Washington guys. Then Alex Pribble is hired at Idaho. Alex Pribble had most recently been an assistant on Jim Hayford's staff at Seattle U. And now with Matt Logie hired at Montana State, Logie never worked for Hayford, but he did take over for Hayford when Hayford had built up Whitworth. Then Logie took that program and kept it rolling. So Jim Hayford connections everywhere. I never expected that to be one of, if not the dominant coaching trees in the Big Sky Conference. Just funny, a fun side note. I want to cut, keep talking Big Sky. We also are going to talk about Jalen Hurts' amazing contract, and we're going to talk NBA playoffs here in hour number two, but a, a continuation of our conversation from hour number one. With Nigel Burris landing at Utah State, and there also being speculation that some of the other departing players from the Big Sky Conference, namely Raekwon Battle and Great Osabar, uh, them leaving MSU to maybe to, to explore other opportunities and maybe having a chance to land at Utah State as well. Utah State, which uh, lost in the Mountain West Championship game last year and got a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament this year. With the addition of Danny Sprinkle as their head coach, there's there's just a, a talking point that maybe that Utah State will just be the Big Sky Conference All-Stars next year. <laughs> they, they got one in Nigel Burris, who is uh, one of the top recruits in the history of Big Sky Conference basketball, if you re- believe the recruiting rankings. And you have to at least think that Utah State has a certain inside track on Great Osabar because of the hiring of Chris Haslam, the uh, great United Kingdom uh, former national team player and coach who then brought Osabar and Jabril Bello and Amin Adamu and Caleb Fuller all from the United Kingdom to Montana State. You have to think because Haslam brought Osabar to Montana State that that, that will be a tie that binds and that they'll at least have an inside track there. 
And then you also have to think because of the bond between Danny Sprinkle and Raekwon Battle that Utah State will have a chance at battle as well. So let's say all these dominoes do play out. And you got basically uh, several of the top returning players in the big sky instead playing at Utah State. Plus you have uh, uh, some talent returning from a team that was a 10 seed last year. Uh, Several players from Utah State, when Ryan Odom departed, entered the portal. But sources say that at least Steve Ashworth, one of those players, will return. But either way, let's say we have a Big Sky Conference all-star team in Logan, Utah. Where are we at? How would that team stack up in the Mountain West? I think pretty well. I can't wait to see it, for one thing, if that is something that happens. I think I think really interestingly well. I think all of those guys can certainly play a role in the Mountain West. Again, we're totally speculating right now. Raekwon Battle has not made any sort of decision. He's got a whole bunch of, of looks out there. Battle would be a very good to great player in the Mountain West, in my opinion. Certainly, and I think, so. I think you know, I think Great Osabor would be a very good player in the Mountain West. I think that Darius... Is he like a starting player in the Mountain West, do you think? Yeah. If he takes the next step? Yeah. Some would say he didn't even start at Montana State, but he also had a pro ahead of him in Jabril Bello. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, Utah State is tough because Utah State, as you mentioned, they're the conference runner-up this year in the conference tournament. So that's... Yeah. Well, and a program steeped in tradition that's had a lot of great, great players. Yeah. Great program. Yeah, I think... I think... Those guys can certainly play in the in the Mountain West. We'll see about Nigel Burris, who had a good, but not overwhelmingly good, freshman year at Idaho. I was How much little... of that was just underutilization, though, too, right? Sure, maybe. I you mean, know, I think I. If N- Nigel if, Burris if, was it, Nigel Burris coming out of high school was an like when he first committed to Idaho, my jaw dropped only because like I I'm sort of actually a hater on the the recruiting rankings, but. Like, top 150 recruits don't go to the Big Sky Conference. Uh, he's the highest-rated recruit, recruit in the history of the University of Idaho and one of the highest-rated recruits to ever come to the Big Sky straight out of high school. There's yeah. a lot of guys like Raekwon Battle that were top 100 guys that dropped down, Ramad Rory. But to come straight out of high school to Idaho, certainly uh, it was a big get for them. And, and you just think if you have a guy like that on a team that wins five conference games, you should just put the ball in his hands and just let him score 20 no matter what his shooting percentage well, mother, is. He had, he had seven and five, right? Yeah, Something right. like that? I think he averaged eight points and five five rebounds per game, yeah. Why didn't he grab more playing time in Idaho, no, you know? That's true. I, I mean, They were dysfunctional at a high level, though, too. No doubt. I think that if you, if you took this hypothetical to the extreme, if you took actually the old Big Sky first team, drop them completely into the Mountain West with like an average bench, I think that team would do really well. The, the the first team all big sky from this last year. Yeah. So Raekwon Battle, Steel Venters, Dylan, Dylan Jones, Jones uh, who else was on Bannon. that? Josh Bannon. Yeah. That team's winning the Mountain West. I think so. That team's winning the Mountain West. And I think that I think that these Montana State guys, uh, certainly Raekwon Battle, if he goes there, I think Great Osobor would will have a role to play on that Utah State team. If he goes there, I you know I think they're going to translate pretty well. It'd be interesting to see, and again, we don't know where everybody's going to to matriculate to. If that all happened, that would actually be the best case scenario for those athletes, because I do think that Danny Sprinkle could get a group like that to mesh. I just worry about Raekwon Battle a bunch, because Raekwon Battle is a guy that I got to know pretty well because I found his story so compelling and inspiring. We also got to know his mom really well, because his mom, Jackie, is... um, 
first of all, his biggest fan, also a great supporter of ours, listening to the show and reading the, the Skyline Sports articles. We got to know her at the conference tournament last year, and then I saw her in Bozeman at several of the games as well. She loves her son and is so dedicated to him. And she told me all about what his year at the University of Washington was like. And this is not an uncommon story, both for kids that grow up on the reservation, for sure, but also just kids in general. A lot of kids from small towns go to huge universities, and even if they're not playing Division I sports, they get a wash in how overwhelming it is to go to a school with fifty to 60,000 students. I mean, Raekwon battles from outside of Marysville, a population 5,000 people. University of Washington campus is 10 times the size of where he came from. And then you add in the dynamics of reservation life and, and just the culture shock that comes from maybe moving out of that. into. I mean, Seattle is one of the, what, five or six or seven biggest cities in America. It's a huge city. And University of Washington, one of the biggest campuses in the country. So it's not just because of his Native American background or growing up on the reservation. That's an overwhelming experience for any kid from a small town. And then you add in some of those factors as well. And Raekwon Battle's mom just talked about how he was just so overwhelmed by the lack of support that he got there compared to what he was used to. And then he comes to Montana State, and the Bobcats fixed that. First of all, Danny Sprinkle established unbelievable trust with Raekwon Battle, personally, basketball-wise, and in helping him with his academics. And they also gave him a support system to help him thrive. But they also slow played the situation. Like, make no mistake, Raekwon Battle was the most talented player in the league last year. He didn't even start at Montana State because they wanted to ease him into the situation and not have him have all this pressure. Well, then he ended up being the guy that helped him win the tournament, and then he comes back this year, and he's absolutely one of, if not the best players, certainly the most talented players in the league. He, he peaks by winning the Big Sky Conference Tournament MVP, and then he peaks again by scoring 26 points against Kansas State and absolutely looking like one of the best players on the court against one of the best teams in the country. I just worry if Battle was to go to a place like UCLA or a place like some of these big-time offers that he has, I would just worry that he would not He would fall back into that lack of a support system that he once had with Danny Sprinkle. Now, maybe the, the, the nurturing and the trust and all that that Sprinkle instilled in Raekwon Battle over the last couple of years has him ready to go join Texas Tech or Texas or Oregon or Oklahoma or Kansas State or some of these other schools he has offers from. But I do think still his best fit in terms of thriving holistically would be to land at Utah State. And so I, I just, from a personal level, wanting that young man to succeed, I hope that that's where he, where he falls. Yeah, and, you know, Utah State, I, if he has pro aspirations, that's a place where you can fulfill those pro aspirations no from, question. even if it's not Alabama or, or Kansas State. That's been one of the most striking parts since Danny Sprinkle took the job at Utah State. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We always hear from all the people in the community. That's why I love doing this job. I get to have so much interaction with all of you, whether it's in person, on the phone, on the texts, on the Twitter you know, on the email, what, whatever. We're, we're so close to our community here, and, and I know so many of you out there listening personally, and you guys talk to me about all this stuff. I have been completely stunned by how many people have had a conversation with me about Danny Sprinkle going to Utah State in which they don't understand how big of a jump up it is. 
it's not just the nine hundred thousand dollars a year salary. Like the, the the I would say one of the five best college basketball players I've seen in person over the last five years is Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill was the the stud at Utah State. He was one of the leading scorers of the United States of America two years in a row. The Bobcats played against Utah State Sam Merrill squads when Brian Fish was there once, and then when Danny Sprinkle was in his first year. I mean, Sam Merrill was a finalist for the Wooden Award. That that's just a microcosm though of how prestigious Utah State is. Like I would say Utah State, all things considered, because of the resources, the support, where it's located but also because it has great expectations but not insane expectations, I would say it's like a top 30 job in the country. Like, Utah State's not in the Pac-12. Utah State's a better job to jump to that has a less chance of you failing and getting fired than Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona State. I mean, you have... Such incredible expectations once you get to the Power Five. And that's where we see this coaching cycle go crazy is guys climb the coaching ladder, climb the coaching ladder, get to the top, don't fulfill the expectations at those schools, sometimes because those schools don't have enough resources. Then they get fired. And then where they – I mean, what? Ha, where's Ken Bone at right now? Ken Bone won back-to-back Big Sky titles at Portland State just like Danny Sprinkle just did at Montana State. Ken Bone takes the Washington State job. Ken Bone does nothing at Washington State, makes one NIT and zero NCAA tournaments, and then all of a sudden Ken Bone's coaching as an assistant at Montana for Travis DeCure, and I have no idea where he's at now. That's how quickly it can end. Uh, unforeseen circumstances aside, I can't imagine that Danny Sprinkle's going to go to Utah State and lay an egg. That's both because I think Sprinkle's good. Actually, I think Sprinkle's great, but I also think that their institution has such a great foundation. Like, it would be very hard to fail at Utah State, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a reason why Craig Smith was there for a couple years and then got the Utah job. There's a reason why Ryan Odom was there for a couple years and got the VCU job. I just think that that's it's a big-time job. So if you're wondering why Sprinkle went to Utah State, it's not just the $900,000 a year or the five-year guaranteed contract. It's also because of the tradition, the support, and just some of the, the institutional advantages that exist uh, there at USU. Let's talk about, though, the the completely polar opposites that are going on in the Big Sky Conference right now. As I mentioned in the last segment, in my 17 years of covering the league, now we have this whole new crop of Big Sky Conference men's basketball coaches. Just in the last couple years, we've seen Randy Ray retire after 16 years at Weber State. Brian Katz retire after 16 years at Sacramento State. We've seen Ty Giving resign at Portland State. Portland, uh, Barrett Peary resigned at Portland State to go take an assistant job at Texas Tech. Jack Murphy resigned at NAU to go take an assistant job at Arizona. We've seen all sorts of roster overturn, but also head coaching overturn. And most of the guys that have left were leaving to either retire or take different jobs rather than actually even getting fired. That then makes a whole bunch of fresh-faced coaches like David Riley at Eastern Washington, Ryan Looney at Idaho State, Alex Pribble, the new coach at Idaho, Eric Duft at Weber State, David Patrick at Sacramento State. Besides Travis DeCure at the University of Montana, we've had almost a full-sale overhaul of Big Sky Conference men's basketball head coaches. I then then compare and contrast that 
to Big Sky Conference football coaches. It's back to the future. Bobby Houck is in his second stint at Montana. He was the guy I covered when I first started covering college football back in 2006. Coach Houck was in year four, and I was 19 years old. And now here I am, 35 years old. He's in year 12, and he had a you know a little decade-long trip to Vegas and San Diego, but now he's back. Bruce Barnum. He's been in the Big Sky Conference since well before I started covering it. He was at Idaho State for a long time, then Portland State as a coordinator, and now he's still the head coach of Portland State. Paul Wolf, Eastern Washington in the early 2000s. Now he's back in the league at Cal Poly. Chris Ball was at Idaho State in the late 90s. Now he's back as the head coach at NAU. Jason Eck, we got to know him at Montana State in 2015 as the offensive line coach. Now he's back, head coach of Idaho. Aaron Best, he's been at Eastern Washington since the mid-1990s when Mike Kramer was the head coach there. And Best has only left Eastern for just a brief moment in time to go to the CFL for a minute. But other than that, been at Eastern as either the offensive line coach, the offensive coordinator, and now the head coach. Andy Thompson, a Grizz football player who then coached at Northern Arizona for more than a decade, and then at Sac State for a handful of years, and now he's the head coach at Sac State. Andy Thompson, by the way, will join us for our Big Sky Spotlight on Thursday, so looking forward to catching up with Coach Thompson after he has now gotten his first head coaching job there in Sacramento. So that's all to say that the only guys that aren't sort of returning to their roots as head coaches in the Big Sky Conference are Brett Vegan, but Vegan's from only a stone's throw away as a North Dakota or North Dakota native and a North Dakota State alum who spent most of his career at NDSU and then Wyoming before coming to Montana. So it's not that big of a transition. I mean, he's not a big sky lifer, but it's only two states over uh, from doing that. Dan Hawkins is the other one at UC Davis, and Hawk obviously had uh, a rise to high heights. And there's another great example of a guy who was great at the D3 level at Willamette, great at the group of five level at Boise State, and then he goes to Colorado, he gets eaten alive, he gets fired, he's out of coaching for more than a decade, returns to his alma mater at UC Davis. Hawk, not necessarily a Big Sky lifer, but UC Davis is also not a Big Sky school. They're in the Big Sky Conference in football, but they're not a Big Sky school. They should be in a different conference. I like UC Davis in the conference because I think it's interesting to have that level of academic prestige in the Big Sky. But make no mistake, UC Davis is the worst fit in the Big Sky Conference that exists in the Big Sky. So only two guys that aren't sort of back to the future, returning to their roots, Big Sky Conference lifers. And I guess Cody Hawkins now at Idaho State is an extension of that, but he, since he comes from a Big Sky school, fits the previous, the, the the former narrative rather than the latter narrative. Andrew, we talked about this over the weekend, but what what do you think of this? It seems as if everybody's on their way up and out of the Big Sky in men's basketball, whereas a lot of guys that either moved on or never moved on are the the sort of make up the the faces of Big Sky Conference football. Oh, I also also have to mention Ed Lamb coming back from Southern Utah, BYU. Now he's at Northern Colorado, so there's another one to add to the list. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I've spent some time thinking about this. First of all, it might just be a it might just be a cycle. I think these kind of things go in waves. I think that you know we're all, we're on a cycle of seeing young and exciting basketball coaches come through the league, and maybe yeah. in in fifteen years, maybe. Danny Sprinkle and David Riley are coming back to the Big Sky to take head coaching jobs after, you know, long sojourns uh, in the Power Five. But I also think that, man, in basketball, it is much, much more worth it 
to just take the shot, right? To move yeah. on to yeah. someplace else. I think that that contributes to a lot more movement because Coulter, in basketball, first of all, there are a lot more head coaching jobs that are open across the country. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's 242 Division One football programs. It's split about evenly between FBS and FCS. There's 360-plus Division One men's basketball jobs. And here's the important distinction going beyond those numbers. At every one of those 360-plus Division One basketball jobs, a coach is one good year and a couple games away from getting his his dream job, right? Or from moving up exponentially rapidly. I was looking up Chris Capco, who was one of the guys in the mix at Montana State men's basketball before MSU hired Matt Logie. Capco is a, uh, he's the associate head coach at USC, but he's also a South Florida alum. Played hoops at South Florida. Well, South Florida, that job came open this offseason as well. So I started thinking, well, why why didn't they hire him? And it turns out he was in the mix there at South Florida as well. Uh, they ended up hiring Amir Ab- Abdurrahim. If the last name sounds familiar, yes, he is Sharif Abdurrahim's uncle. Sharif Abdurrahim, the great player out of Cal, who actually uh, has some ties, I believe, to Mike Montgomery from his time there. Uh, but Amir Ab- uh, Abdurrahim was most recently the head coach at Kennesaw State. I thought that I looked up, though, then Amir Abdurrahim and his time at Kennesaw State, and I was struck by exactly what you're saying. Here's what Kennesaw State did under Amir Abdurrahim. They were 1-28 in year one. That was, that was, I believe, one of their first years with a basketball program. They were 5-19 and during the COVID year. They were 13-18 and in year three. But then this last year, they won 26 games. They won their conference, and they uh, pushed Villanova all the way down to the wire in the NCAA tournament game. You were actually at that game in Greensboro, North Carolina, right? Were you? Didn't you see Kennesaw State live? Yeah, but it wasn't Villanova, no, right? It, it was, was... Oh, Xavier, excuse me. Yes, yes. There Sorry, you go. I yeah. always get Xavier and Villanova confused, which is so dumb of me as somebody that gets mad at people for confusing those sort of things. Uh, regardless, I thought that was striking. The dude went 45-74 and 74 at Kennesaw State, but he had the one year that was the greatest year in their school's history, and he gets to make the big jump to a big school like South Florida, and that's kind of what you're talking about. Like, you can... If, well, you, if you strike... If the iron is hot, you can boom make the huge jump right away. One good year and then 40 good minutes away. Yeah, right. If the right opportunity comes up. I mean, even the guy that Capco's working for at USC, right? Yeah. Because Enfield was at Florida Gulf Coast. That's right. Burst onto the scene with the year that they won two games as the 15 seed, and then suddenly he's at USC. And then he's been rolling at USC for the last 10 years since then. And I think that, you know, every college basketball coach at least a little part of them thinks that that can be them yeah. if they get into the right situation. If they if they find the right place and they hit the right group of players and that I think leads to just a ton of, of movement and upheaval and and wanting to to just try new things and see if you can hit on that perfect mixture as opposed to, you know, in in college football, you know, I I think a lot of the guys who are coming back to the Big Sky Conference Yeah have sort of realized that, you know, it's it's over for them as far as going and being the head coach of, of a team that's going to, you know, a top 25 team in the country, right? right? Like, they've been doing it for a while. It's a lot more difficult in football to move up because you're moving up. You're a position coach, then you're a coordinator. 
then maybe you're you're a head coach, you're an FCS head coach, you're a group of five head coach. It's so much more difficult to move up. But in basketball, I think, you know, the hope springs eternal for, for everybody. I have more to add to this. More Big Sky Conference football versus basketball next. Keep it right here in Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the Advocates can surely help you. Yeah, I mean, the sooner you call us, the better. You know, we're available 24-7, consultations are free, and when you've been in that accident, insurance companies are going to be jumping all over you to talk. So give us a call first and get yourself an attorney. 406-640-4444 or online, montanaadvocates.com. Free consultations, the Montana Advocates reminding you that you deserve an advocate. One, two, three. is now on ESPN Radio. Sometimes I just sit and look at Twitter and laugh. Why is Janet Jackson trending right now? I don't know. I click on it, and people are in this just uproar about Janet Jackson and K-pop, and that's all I know. Maybe we'll ask Carolyn. We'll fill in the blanks. I just clicked on Janet Jackson because Janet Jackson is like one of my favorite female artists of all time. There's a theme today. I love the Jacksons, but we're not even listening to the Jacksons. We're listening to some old school soul music here on your Monday. Welcome back. Do you want us now? ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I teased that we were going to get to Jalen Hurts' $255 million contract, and I teased that we were going to talk NBA playoffs. We will, maybe sometime in this show, but certainly sometime this week. But I want to keep talking Big Sky Conference. Here's the discussion point if you're just now joining us. All of the Big Sky Conference men's basketball coaches in the league now, except for Travis Takir, who's been at Montana for 10 years, are either relatively new or brand new, including Matt Logie, who was hired at Montana State today. He's the shortest tenured head coach of the Big Sky Conference. He's been on the job for about four and a half hours. In football, however, as somebody that's in year, this will be year 18 for me covering the big season, 18 for me covering Big Sky Conference football. The, uh, the more the names change, the more they stay the same. Basically, everybody in the league is a flash from the past. Either the recent past, like Ed Lamb, who was at Southern Utah until 2015 before spending some time at BYU and now is back in Northern Colorado. Guys like Bobby Houck, who were at Montana from 2003 to 2009 and then returned back to his alma mater in 2016 and is now going into year six uh, for the Grizzlies. Brent Vegan at Montana State, Dan Hawkins at UC Davis are kind of the only non-quote-unquote big sky guys that are head coaches in the big sky conference. Why is that? We've been discussing it. I thought Andrew's great points about taking the shot at the highest level and also just what it takes to, to move up and also just the just how many jobs there are, how many more jobs there are in, in Division I men's basketball. Part of it's because, first of all, Division I schools, there's about 120 of them that don't have football at all. There's also 120 of them that play FCS football and not FBS football. So there's a little bit of a divide there. I also think, though, and this is something that was sort of put on my radar first when Jeff Choate took the head job at Montana State. Choate had been uh, at Boise State and Florida and Washington, Washington State. He coached at a variety of Power Fives. And he talked to us about how He was so tired of certain parts of the Power Five grind. 
how little you actually got to coach because there was so much of, of the recruiting part that's just so unbelievably, ridiculously demanding. But like Choke said, he said, like when he was the D-line coach at Washington, he said at least half of his conversations with guys were, when am I going to go to the NFL? How are you going to get me there? What are my NFL prospects? How do you make me a pro? And Choate said he just lift, he just lifted the, or he just missed, excuse me, the the finding the small kid in the small town kid in Dillon, Montana, and then turning him into a pro, but never actually talking about how he's going to go pro until he's been playing college football for for three, four, five years. I do think that some of these guys got disenfranchised with just how uh, the meat market and the money machine that top-level Power 5 FCS football is. I mean, Paul Wolf, Cal Poly's new head coach, he said that on this show. He said, hey, I took my shot at the big time. I went to Washington State. We didn't do it. I got fired. And here I am as a middle-aged guy, and I'm trying to remake my career, and I know I can coach football. I know I'm a good football coach. I just maybe can't win at that place, and there's so much more to that than just my ability to coach. I think that's the thing is you see so many of these guys – that are either still in the Big Sky or have returned to the Big Sky, whether you know it's Bruce Bartum or Chris Ball or Aaron Best or now Andy Thompson, who's the new guy at Sac State, will join us on Thursday. It's a coaches league. The coaches talk about the coaches in the league. Like everybody, you could you could ask all the coaches about each other, and they know how good of ball coaches they all are, and they all proclaim that. But I think there's a certain organic nature to that as well. Like. You get to coach football a lot more when you're a head coach in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, and the coaches in the Big Sky Conference often hire the other coaches who have been in the league, right? If they've if they've taken their shot at the higher level and come back, the connections are still there, right? Because you know a football staff offers you so many more places to to be, right? Yes. You can be you can be the coordinator, you can be a position coach. Yep, you, you're building those connections all the while. As opposed to to basketball, I mean, I think once you're a head coach on this level in basketball, yeah, it doesn't really behoove you to then go back to being an assistant. Yeah, I also think that there's a certain element where, I mean, we'll see what Cody Hawkins does at Idaho State, but I think that Idaho State maybe is the one school in Big Sky Conference football that has a severe uphill battle to be a true conference champion contender. There's advantages that you can proclaim and and accentuate at all of the other Big Sky Conference football programs, and that's why just about every team in the league has tasted the playoffs at the very least and has even won conference championships at the very most over the last 10-plus years. Like, so much of why people can't win at Vanderbilt has no nothing to do with the abilities of coaching of the coach. Washington State's been stuck in the mud forever, except for when they hired this one outside-the-box guy like Mike Leach. But other than that, so much of why Washington State can't keep up with the other teams in the Pac-12 and in the Power Five has nothing to do with the quality of the football coach that they have. It has so much to do with other stuff like resources and revenue sharing, whereas that doesn't exist in the Big Sky Conference. If you know your advantages to get your team on track, you could have success. Like, look at Jason Eck. He went in there and said, here's all the things the last staff wasn't doing right. Here's the things I'm going to do. Boom, Idaho's in the playoffs. I just think that there's a faster chance for a turnaround, but there's also not these entrenched disadvantages that not even the best coach in the world can overcome. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I just I had to get all that out of there. I just have been thinking about it all weekend, and it's it's an interesting talking point going forward. We'll certainly 
talked about it, uh, that sort of stuff with other people moving forward as well. Your news of the day, Matt Logie hired as the head coach at Montana State men's basketball. This seems like a proliferation of new faces around Big Sky Conference hoops, both players and coaches. All right, now we actually got to get to this because I got to ask my guy what he thinks of this. We'll talk Jalen Hurts, record-setting contract and NBA playoff update next. Keep it right here. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports. Here with some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports. Also help bring you our ESPN Radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreiss from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot? Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now. When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services, just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise. What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot? I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community. And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it it seems like such a great company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, very family-oriented inside as well, and it's definitely very enjoyable. If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that. Small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. Bring Al Green back. I want some more sweet soul music. What's up, everybody? Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Monday. Jam-packed show today. But we've been talking about largely the same theme. Matt Logie hired as the head coach of Montana State men's basketball. First of all, what do we think of the hire? What does that mean for the Cats? What are the challenges Logie faces? All sorts of transfer portal movement. Uh, specifically around the Cats, but also involving other premier players in the Big Sky Conference. As of the last time we were on the air, Raekwon Battle, Darius Brown, Grant Osobar, and Robert Ford, all from Montana State, into the portal. Nigel Burris, the freshman of the year in the Big Sky at Idaho, he is following Danny Sprinkle to Utah State. The wicked web we weave, right? So we talked all about all of those things. What's up with Sprinkle at Utah State? How would a Big Sky Conference All-Star team fare in the Mountain West? We also talked, though, about this dichotomy that exists in the Big Sky Conference right now. Seems like all men's basketball subjects are on their way out the door, whereas many, if not most, of the Big Sky Conference football head coaches and much of their staffs are incredibly familiar faces, guys that have been around the league for a really long time, guys that were in the league, left the league, and then returned to the league. Guys have been in the league for the duration of the 21st century. A whole bunch of familiar faces in Big Sky Conference football. Why is there that contrasting nature to both Big Sky men's hoops and football? We talked all about all of this throughout the show today. You can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Nuanas Now podcast, like the Montana Basketball Hour, presented 
by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot Communications can help you and your business. The Nuwana Is Now podcast, also presented by the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. Go check them out in downtown Missoula, corner of Broadway and Higgins. They also uh, have a new Mac store inside the M Store, so go check out all their new Macintosh uh, products that they offer there at the M Store. The Nuwana Is Now podcast, also presented by the Montana State Bookstore, where they're all... where. Uh, Best place to get blue and gold any time, game day or any other day. They always have great sales. We'll tell you about some of the new sales coming up. They just wrapped the spring rodeo there at MSU, which is one of the big events on campus every year. And I'm sure they'll probably have some some of the rodeo stuff going on sale here pretty soon. But go check out the Nuanas Now podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Uh, two pieces of news for you. First of all, the NBA awards are coming out. Jaron Jackson of the Memphis Grizzlies awarded uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA. He averaged more than three blocks per game. He is the uh, second youngest Defensive Player of the Year in uh, NBA history. Only guys that have won it as 23-year-olds. Alvin Robertson, Kawhi Leonard, and Dwight Howard. Uh, Only Howard was actually younger in terms of months than Jaron Jackson is at 23 years old. Jackson, by the way, was first in this by a wide margin. Brooke Lopez in year 97 in the NBA is second. Amazing the way that he has reinvented himself multiple times. And then third, Evan Mobley is one of the breakout players in the league this year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. One of the reasons they have the fourth seed in the East and have a one nothing lead uh, over the New York Knicks. Andrew, I know you're high on the Grizzlies and you like Jaron Jackson. I think there's something to be said here first, not only because he's so young. This is sort of an affirmation of them using the number three pick on him uh, a couple years ago. But also, it's sort of a uh, a symbol of what the NBA has become. This guy is, he blocks a lot of shots, but he's not your traditional rim protector and he can guard out on the perimeter too. It shows you how much basketball has changed, that he is sort of the the prototype of what you'd want in the NBA. Yeah, great modern defensive big man. I mean, he can play the the regular rim protector role, but he's great at you know flying in from the weak side on help defense to get blocks at the rim. As you mentioned, you know he can move his feet on the perimeter. He gets a ton of steals too. The one issue with him, I think he fouls a ton. Yeah, and that's does. just sort of what you expect from a, a 23, 24 year old big man. But he's able to be you know so devastatingly effective when he is on the court. Uh, that I think it, w- it was really well-deserved. And, of course, Memphis, the defense still such a big part of the identity of that team. Going back to the grit and grind days with Zach Randolph and all those guys. Um, so I like that. Really interesting to see sort of the two guys who probably are going to dominate this award for the next decade and Jaron Jackson and Evan Mobley. And then yeah. Brooke Lopez, who, as you mentioned, I mean, he's getting way up there. But I he's, mean, he's older than me, and I'm old. And And it's... You know, he is, he's the one, he's the epitome of like the old fashioned, like drop back right. rim protecting right. big. I mean, he's diversified and modernized his game a ton. He's shooting great from the outside now. And he could guard a little bit on the perimeter way he, better he than a guy of his at age it. you'd think could. Yeah. Yeah. He works hard at it, but his job is to be, you know, the seven foot guy in the middle. He also happens to have the great fortune of playing with the greatest athlete in the NBA in Giannis Antetokounmpo, which helps. It is interesting, though, to look at this. Brooke Lopez aside, because I do agree, he is 
uh, sort of the outlier amongst the rest of this group. Here's the top six vote getters for defensive player of the year in the NBA. Jaron Jackson's one. Brooke Lopez, who's our outlier, is two. Evan Mobley, three. Draymond Green, four. Bam Adebayo is five. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is six. What have all those guys have in common? They are all between 6'7 seven, and 7'1. Seven, they can all guard on the perimeter. They can switch on pick and rolls, and they can all protect the rim. And they're all great team and individual defensive players. But they're all sort of different versions of the same uh, desirable prototype. Yeah, interesting. I wondered if, you know, after all the discussion about Marcus Smart maybe being the leading candidate for Defense Player of the Year last year. Totally. If we would see a guard in there, somebody like Drew Holiday. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday finished eighth, so he go. was up there. Alex Caruso's had a great defensive year in Chicago. Uh, but, no, I mean, when you've got a guy who can move his feet like a guard and also is 6'10", makes it really hard for somebody who's 6'4 to have that same kind of impact. I know sometimes you think I'm just being a hater, but when I'm like hating on the professional aspirations of guys like Drew Timmy and and uh, who's the dude at Iowa, Luca Garza, Luca Garza. That's what I'm saying. Luca Garza can score at an NBA level. Drew Timmy can score at an NBA level too. Maybe not a high NBA level, but he can score at the NBA level. In the NBA though, they don't care. They'll run the same two sets over and over and over again to get James Harden switched into a ball screen with those guys guarding him or Kyrie Irving, or Steph Curry, or insert name here, De'Aaron Fox, who was the breakout player of the weekend. They'll just switch high ball screens till they get that dude on you, and then you're roasted. You're giving up 50. There's nothing you can possibly do about it. So I'm not hating on those guys from any other reason than in the NBA. you got to be able to guard the high ball screen, and if you can't, it's just done for you. We're going to talk more NBA tomorrow. One last thing here on Nuanas now before we go. Andrew, a diehard Eagles fan... And the Eagles, oh baby, they just paid their boy. I think Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal fit for Philadelphia. I think this, the stats don't lie. I mean, Philadelphia basically lost one game when Jalen Hurts was their starting quarterback and they finished it, and it was the Super Bowl. Other than that, their other two losses were, were when he was hurt. Uh, Hurts has been really good for a year and a half, outstandingly great for a year. And now, as of today, he's the highest-paid player in the history of the NFL, $255 million. What do you think of this deal? I love it. From the Eagles' perspective, I'm buying this all the way. There's such a huge advantage to getting this deal done first, right, Coulter? It sounds like a ton right. of money now. Yeah, wait until Justin Herbert signs. Joe Burrow's getting a new deal this <laughs> yeah, 100%, exactly, year. 100%. Exactly. In a right? month, he's not going to be the highest-paid play, player <laughs> in NFL right. history that's anymore because right. that's how it works in the NFL. Every new precedent is going to get beaten by the guy who comes behind it. Mahomes so, still, still has another contract to get. Yeah, I mean, there's guys, guys are going to blow this. We're going to be 300 million territory soon. So going first, getting the deal done first, getting your guy locked in first, while well, it sounds like an eye-popping amount of money, and it is, obviously. For sure. There's actually a huge advantage in that for the Eagles. Huge advantage now in knowing, hey, Jalen Hurts is our guy. We need to bring in guys who fit well around Jalen Hurts for the next era of this team. Uh, you know... The cons, I guess you would say he really only has done it at the level of a great starter in the NFL for one year. Yeah, uh, I think if you're going to uh, dock Lamar Jackson's value yep. as being potentially more injury-prone than some pocket guys, it's only fair to do that for Jalen Hurts as well. I think even with all those considerations, Coulter, it's a great deal for the Eagles. I know I'm certainly excited to have Jalen Hurts you know, under center or in the shotgun for Philly for the next Four or five years. The first person I thought about when I thought of this was Andrew, but the second person I thought about was Lamar Jackson because there's no way you could have talked me into 
when Jalen Hurts got knocked out of the national championship game and Tua Tagovailoa comes in for Alabama, and then everything that happened over the next several years to Jalen Hurts and, you know, because of Jalen Hurts, at that exact moment, Mar- Lamar Jackson was was building and then exploded into becoming an NFL MVP. At that time, there's no way you could have convinced me that we'd be sitting here today talking about Jalen Hurts is the one that's getting paid and Lamar Jackson is the one on the outside looking in and maybe a guy that could hold out for some or all of next year. I got an alert on my phone that something's going on with Lamar Jackson. I haven't got a chance to read it, but there's definitely movement on that. So we're going to come back to this tomorrow because I still am perplexed. I know Lamar Jackson's been hurt a couple times. I know he's had a hard time winning in the playoffs. He's also had a whole bunch of really good seasons And it's very perplexing to me that no one in the NFL seems to want him. That conversation, plus our Treasure State Stars, our coach's corner with new Missoula Sentinel track coach Dylan Reynolds, and we'll hear from our Class A Girls Basketball Player of the Year, Yelena Miller out of Haver High School. All of it tomorrow. We'll see you then, 4 p.m. This is Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? It's Coulter Nuanas. From your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuanas Now, which airs live each weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and worldwide on the ESPN MT app. And of course, as you're listening right now, you can always find Nuanas Now archived as well on the Nuanas Now podcast. One of the biggest events on campus every single year at Montana State is the MSU Spring Rodeo. Get rodeo ready with the MSU Bookstore all month long. MSU Rodeo tees and equine accessories will be available starting on April 10th. All month long, you can get three t-shirts for $25, two crewnecks for $50, or two hoodies for $55. Go check out all the great rodeo gear at the Montana State Bookstore on the MSU campus. The Montana State Bookstore also does a great job of giving back some of their proceeds to help reduce textbook costs for students across the MSU community. And of course, it's your go-to place to get your blue and gold on game day or any other day. Montana State's rodeo team, as prestigious and nationally powerful as they come. So if you're planning on heading to the spring rodeo, swing by the MSU bookstore first. When you're in need of some Bobcat gear, Go check out the Montana State Bookstore located in the Strand Union Building on the Montana State campus in Bozeman, Montana.